The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Good morning, Tabernacle. I'd like to welcome you, and this is one of those... uh, services where uh, when we get up here at this point, I always kind of feel like we've kind of already had church, especially after that last song. Would you agree with that? Never get tired of singing about the endless, the reckless love of God. So um, I also want to say that uh, those of you that are here are definitely not slackers. So good job. Um, uh, If you're listening in or, or, or watching online, uh, we're in the middle of some sort of an April winter storm. And I'd just like to say this. The weather outside is no different than November, December, January, February, or March. We live in Narnia, people. But because it's April, it's like, oh my goodness, we're all going to die. But you're not the slackers. You get extra credit because you've chosen to worship here with us today. So... Uh, we're glad that you're here. I've also been asked to make one uh, announcement before we get in. And by the way, we're in Joshua chapter 10 today. We're going to continue with that epic story. Uh, but uh, the one announcement has to do with some of our outreach. Um, uh, we send a missions trip uh, just about every year uh, to Haiti. Uh, we're partnered with a church down there and a group of people that we've been connected with. And so if you've wondered, hey, maybe I should check that out or I'd kind of like to be a part of it, you'd like some more information, we'd ask you to go to the hub or to call the church office and uh, we can get you some information. You can also get an application. The way they've divided it up now, they're much better missions leaders than I ever was. Is there, There's a home team and there's an away team is the way I understand it. And so if you'd like to be a part of sending and you know being a part of things on this side, the fundraising, the preparation. Etc. You can apply to be a part of the home team, or yeah, that's the home team. I got that right. And then the away team actually goes. And uh, if if you're wondering if maybe you want to see how God might use you overseas, we encourage you to do that. In Joshua chapter ten, uh, before we dive in, and we're going to dive in uh, 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 straight straight away. I want to give you the previously on Joshua. All right, so we know where we're picking up the epic story. Come on, you guys didn't give me anything on that, really? Fine, I'll talk to the camera. Previously on Joshua, right? (laughs) Previously on Joshua, God has promised this people the land. God has promised them rest. He's promised it to their, all the generations that went on before them, that this was the land that they were going to inherit. And then he's made specific promises. He called this guy Joshua to lead these people. And he called them to lead them on this epic journey of conquest where they've seen God's hand move. They saw the, the, the parting of the Jordan rivers. They've seen them, uh, the walls of Jericho fall down. They've seen uh, miracles happen. And it hasn't always been perfect, right? Sometimes the faith journey has some hiccups. Remember the first battle of AI? Didn't go so well. Second battle of AI, a little bit better. And then we saw last week how, how, you know, even though God's showing up in miraculous ways and it's victory after victory after victory and they're destroying everyone, they got fooled last week by the city-state called Gibeon. The city-state convinced them that they weren't from Canaan, they were from somewhere else and that they wanted to be allies. And so without asking God or listening to God, they made an alliance with Gibeon and so now they've got these allies that they really don't want. So they cursed them to carry the water and do some of their other chores, right? And that's where we pick up the story now, is word continues to spread 
throughout Canaan to all the enemies of God. And we go to Joshua chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Adonai Zedek, king of, his, uh, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they heard all this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities and larger than Ai. And the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. So King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings. Hoham of Hebron. I got to pause right there. I just wish that was Hoham. But it's not. It's Hoham. Okay. So King Hoham of Hebron, Piram of Jarmuth, Japhia of Lachish, and Debir of Eglon. Come and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them. For they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. So let's pause right there so we're just not reading words. We understand what's happening. Word continues to spread. Fear is in all the enemies of God's hearts, right? And so instead of trying to make an alliance by faith, believing this is going to happen, they get together, not one, two, three, but five kings, and they say, let's go lay siege to Gibeon. Let's pick them off one at a time. Now, this is clearly going to be the largest force ever amassed in Canaan, and they are surrounding the ally, the new ally of the children of Israel. That's where we pick it up. Verse 6. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Verse 9, Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorites by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. Now we got to pause right there and take a breath. What just happened, Ricky Bobby? So word comes from Gibeon. We're under siege. We're under attack. Now Joshua could have let them die. He could have said, we don't want you guys to be our allies anyways. Right? Let them kill each other. Five kings and Gibeon, let it, and then we'll pick them off one at a time. Nope, he remembered the call. He remembered the, his word. He remembered the vow to God. The promises that have been made. He, mo- he mobilizes everybody. Let's go. Mount up. Ride to the sound of the fight. There's a fight that's on. We're soldiers. What we do, let's go. On the way, apparently, 
God says to Joshua, I've already given you the fight. You're going to have victory. They march all night. Notice Joshua doesn't stop and say, oh, good, God, you've, you've got it from here. No, now he marches all night. Dawn attack, surprise attack. He breaks the siege and they kill a ton of the enemy at Gibeon. Then they get the chase on. They get the, the retreat begins. While they're chasing them, hail from heaven starts killing the enemy. How many of you would like to see a miracle like that? How big does that hail have to be? Heaven gave them hail. <laughs> Works every time. That's what we call close air support, right? It's the GI's best friend. It's the infantryman's best friend. It's the key to every... You talk about the American might. It doesn't have anything to do with nuclear weapons. It has to do with a radio or a phone call and close air support shows up. It's miraculous, right? They're winning. It doesn't stop there. Verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites... Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. Now in that last part, there's a couple things that strikes me. Number one, they've, they're already winning. They've broke the siege. The enemy, the obstacles are being defeated. They're chasing them. Close air support shows up. Heaven's giving them hail. But it's not enough. Joshua takes a risk, which by the way is the title of this message. He takes another risk. He'd already taken a risk by marching. He already took a risk by joining the fight, by getting involved in the battle, random, you know, an arrow, a rock, he could, you know, get involved, they want to pick off the leader of the Israelites. He's taking huge risks, marching all night, tons of risk, getting involved, tons of risk. Then the fight, then the hail, there's apparently a hailstorm, and how, you know, we miss this miracle sometime, in the middle of a hailstorm, only bad guys are getting hit. Wow. Those are called smart bombs, right? But then he takes an even bigger risk when it says, and there's no wasted words in here, that in front of everybody, he prays this audacious prayer. And I say it's audacious because it's specific. Start thinking about the prayers that I pray or the prayers that we pray. We like to play it safe, don't we? Well, maybe not you. Okay, I'll just talk about me. If I pray this prayer really generally, Lord be with, Lord bless, Lord help. He gets specific. Right? Lord, here's the miracle I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Thanks for the help. Appreciate that close air support. Here's the deal. We don't have enough time to do what you've called us to do. 
There's not enough hours in the day. And we've got them moving. We've got them all here. Sun, stand still. And the scripture says that God answered that risky, specific prayer. Now, if there's any miracle you're going to struggle with, this is probably the biggest one. You can say the Red Sea. You can say walking on water. To me, the greatest miracle ever was man coming back from the dead. You know, Christ coming, you know, the whole resurrection. But when you're dealing with cynics or skeptics, usually they point to this because there's no way, they say. The earth is spinning like this. And if you were to put on the brakes, at the very least, everybody would lurch forward. And then there would be earthquakes and there would be flooding and there would be just cataclysmic. Now it would just screw everything up. It's impossible. It would go spinning off into outer space and they come up with all of these reasons. I want to answer this for you right now, which, by the way, here's a little sidebar. The little urban legend that NASA has found the lost day. You've seen that on the web. Stop forwarding that. That's an urban legend. It's a myth that NASA didn't find some missing day. Okay. So we don't want scientists to think we're stupider than we are Christians. Did I just say that? Okay, well, it's true. So don't forward that. But here's your proof for the miracle, okay? If there is a God who can make everything out of nothing, I think he's got stopping the earth for a day under control. It spins in his hand. He does what he wants. Well, that just breaks the laws of nature. That's why he's super nature. Supernatural. He made the laws of nature. He does what he wants with them. The reason I say that is because we got to stop with every miracle trying to explain it away with stuff. Well, the Red Sea, there was some, so it was probably not the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. And it was really a swampy land. And during that time of year, the water, just stop. Next, we're going to say, you know, Peter walking on water because he was really, it it iced over. And then he broke through the ice. You know, technically, stop trying to, you don't need to defend God. Stop it. He either does miracles or he doesn't. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, be careful trying to separate your belief from God from miracles. Because if you do, it's a slippery slope to religion. I'm paraphrasing. A Christianity without miracles, a faith devoid of miracles, is nothing more than religion. Religious people, don't ever forget, killed Jesus, our Savior. So what is there in this story for us? Because I don't know about you, but I want to be like Joshua. I want to have that kind of faith. You know, I think that's who we're called to be like. And, you know, this theme of faith and do not fear, it's... It's threaded all the way through this book, Joshua. But it's all the way through this book, the Bible. All the stories of the patriarchs. There's this theme that I see. Here's the first thing, and probably the most important thing that I think is for every single one of us. And it's not just for me. It's not just for, you know, some other Christian. It's for you. What we can learn from Joshua is that we're called to trust God and take risks. We're called to trust God and take risks. You are called to trust God and take risks. Now, some of us have the trust God part down. 
We place our faith in God. Oh, I believe in God and I've received Jesus. I, you know, what God did on the cross and all this stories pointing ahead to that. And so, yes, I trust God. But we never take a risk. We take one risk when we receive Christ, maybe get baptized and we show up, you know. But we take that one initial risk, but we don't take risks, all right? So we trust God one time and then we just participate in church. We find a little dark corner of this dark sanctuary to hide in and to kind of be a part and we never take a risk. The word risk, I interchange with faith. Faith, risk, almost interchangeable to me because faith is a verb. Faith is action. Remember what the book of James says. Faith without works or faith without action is dead. And so there's a lot of people that say they trust God, but they never take a risk. Husbands who never take a risk to lead their family in a spiritual way. Couples that never take a risk to actually have the marriage that maybe God might have called them to have. You know, a marriage that's honoring and it's not just existing and putting up with the other person. Students that never take a risk and step out and actually stand for, you know, where they... Where their faith is, you know, they come to church on a weekend, they might even go to youth group, you know, one other night of the week, but the rest of the time at school, they're a totally different person. Am I reading your mail? I was that student. That's who we all have been at one time or another. We never take a risk to invite somebody. We never take a risk and say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances, with my giving. We say we trust God, but we don't take risks. We never get involved. We never serve. We never put ourselves out there. We just kind of coast. And then we got other people that take risks all the time, but we don't really trust God. We try to do things in our own strength, in our own, with our own personalities. You know, we might even say we believe in God, but there's really no faith. It's just enough risk that I can mitigate the risk, that I can cover it if I screw up. I mean, look at Joshua here. We're going to go get involved in this civil war in Canaan and honor Our commitment to our allies. And not only that, but I'm going to put my personal reputation out here and I'm going to pray this audacious, outrageous prayer that the planets might stop moving because we need some more time to get the bad guys. I think we're called to trust God. Take risks. That's what Joshua did. But you notice that the, that the risk that it, well, first let's look at the trust. What did Joshua trust? Or how do I know? I mean, John, are you saying that we should just, you know, just start risking everything? I'm going to buy the lottery ticket. I'm going to drive 56 miles an hour instead of 55, right? I'm going to ask her on the date. I mean, are we talking about facetious surface stuff? No. The trust that he had, Joshua knew what he was called to, right? Right? And he was called to lead these people and these people were called to go into the land and this was the fight that they were called to and this was the blessing that was promised. Joshua also trusted in the promises of God and he believed in God's power. So I think that's a, you know, a little pattern that we can follow. We're all called to something. You can trust God and take risk when you understand what the calling of God is. There's a general call to all of us. To be disciples. There's a call to all of us to turn our hearts back to God. There's a call to all of us to accept Christ by faith, right? So there's that general call. But you know there's specific calls. There's a call to discipleship, to follow after him. There's a call. You could go on Bible Gateway or Blue Letter Bible, one of these search engines on the internet, and just look up the word called in the New Testament. How many things we're called to? You know what you're going to find out? You're called to be holy. 
To be more like God. To stamp out sin in your life. Well, I prayed an audacious prayer and asked God to help me get rid of that sin, but he didn't happen, so it must not be his will. That's lazy. Don't blame your sin on God. God told Joshua that he was going to get the victory, but Joshua still marched all night. When was the last time you marched all night for the service of God? I was trying to think, have I ever marched all night? No, but I drove all night one time. It was some airplane stuff. It was a mess. I had to preach three times on a Sunday over here at T1. And so I drove all night. And then I preached three times. All jacked up on Mountain Dew and caffeine and five hour and no-dos and anything else I could find. Those sermons were doozies. (laughs) Hopefully we don't have those tapes. I'm just saying that it's like, what do we do that march all night moment? Because we're fulfilling And taking a risk for what God's called us to. Do you know that we're called not only to be holy. We're called to this fellowship. The church. Being a part of a church is a calling. Yeah you can sit home and watch on the internet. But you know what? You're missing out on something. You're missing out on rubbing up against the lives of other people that you really don't like. And that's important if you're going to be holy. Sure it'd be easier to stay home. Absolutely it would. You're looking at me like what do you mean? Does he not like us? Look I love you. I like you. I don't want to be your roommate. You don't want to be my roommate. I got one roommate and we have enough issues. Anybody tracking with me? Right? (laughs) And so the trusting God and taking a risk is when we decide to be a church together. Trust God and take a risk. We're called to unity. All these are callings. There's a general calling. There's specific callings that each one of us have with our spiritual gifting. And when you figure out what God's calling us as Christians, and when he's calling you specifically, you know what? You don't have to spend a lot of time going, I wonder if the Lord wants me to do anything about these lost people far from God. I wonder if that's in his purpose or plan. Yes! Trust him and take a risk. Yeah, but I'm a little bit afraid. How many times... Does he promise us that he'll be with us wherever we go? How many times, you know, we see Jesus promise when you're in that situation, I'll give you the words to say. Will you give me the words to say? I already told you that. Wrote it down. It's in the book. You get where I'm going with this? There's callings. There's promises. We know he's powerful. So when I say trust God and take a risk, Joshua didn't do any of that selfishly. And he didn't pray that prayer selfishly. His prayer was consistent with the calling, the promises, and the power of God. So I'm telling you as an individual, I don't care if you're a student, a child, if you're married, divorced, single, young, old, middle-aged, you're not sure. If it's consistent with the calling of God, His purpose, His plan, His promises, and His power, ask it. Mount up and ride to the sound of the guns. I was talking to a guy just a couple months ago. And I won't give you the details, but he lives in a town about 40 minutes from here. And he used to be a pastor. And then he resigned from his position because nothing was really going on there. And there was a whole bunch of people at a bunch of churches that were just really not passionate about the community or the lost. And and so all these people were like dislocated Christians, passionate about Jesus. None of them had a church. But they're all kind of meeting together in a small group. And you know what he said? He goes... You know, I'm just, I'm trying to pray about whether or not we should come together and start a church. We all have the same passion, the same this, the same that, and the other. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what God's saying. What, what has God told you? And I'm looking at this guy in my office and I'm like, 
Are you asking me, does God want his people to come together on a weekend and, and praise and worship and have church? And a little bit of preaching? He's like, yeah, do you think, man, I wonder what God wants us to do. I think he wants you to do that. I don't think you have to double check that. I mean, it's kind of like, I wonder if God wants me to care about this poor person. Pretty sure he does. Trust God and take a risk. Well, he might use that money for liquor. Yeah, he might. Trust God and take a risk. I wonder if God wants me to serve my, you know, the other people in church. I'll have to pray about that. Really? You got to pray about giving yourself away? Trust God and take a risk. And the reason that I'm banging away on this is so many of us instead, and this is what kills me because you're missing out, is we settle for complacency. And we settle for powerless Christian lives. All of our victories are in the past. Sorry, I got a little excited there. Risk. What does risk look like? It always involves moving. Make a move. Get on the march. You know, we, we, we held a dedication for the Manistee... Uh, campus, you know, the building there. And it, we didn't make a big deal about it. Just all the people that are meeting in a small group and some of the leaders, some of the staff people that could make it. And it was cool. I mean, we had a time to anoint some key leaders there and, and, and we anointed the building and prayed over the building, just dedicated it to God. That's what, that's, that's what we were doing. And this whole thing with Manistee, it's consistent with God's call. It's consistent with his promises. It's consistent with his power. Now, listen, God doesn't have to show up. I've told you that before. He doesn't have to show up. I mean, Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still. God could have said, look, I already gave him hail. You're not getting another miracle. All right? I only have a few of those I want to give out this year, and you don't get two of them in a day. But he did. Sorry, that was a different story. So at this dedication, right, one of our leaders, he said, man, John, you know, I've been here since the beginning. You know, you, 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 you came up here 14 years ago. You've been the lead pastor for about 11 years. And Man, look what God's done. This guy used to be on our board, and he's a key leader, loved this guy, and he was talking about... You know, man, we were we did multi-site at the gym, and he remembers when we did multi-site music, and then the building of T2, and now this, now it's just going faster, and almost 1,300 people at Easter, and he looked at me, and, and he, had a, he had a right heart, but he was like, how did God do all this? It's like, how do you just do it? I mean, look, wow, you know, kind of all this stuff, and I'm like, bro, I'm just a soldier. I trust God, and I take risks. That's all. Hold this church like this. Not my church. I'm like Forrest Gump. Can I cut grass? No, seriously. Landscaping? That's a great job. No board meetings. No people angry about the volume of the music. No people angry because we had to dip instead of take. I'm going off right now. Okay. so okay. <laughs> Just grass, right? But all it is, is it isn't me. It's a group of leaders. It's board members. The ones that have gone before. The ones that are here now. It's staff people. It's, it's, it's key people in the church that have said, you know what? We're going to trust God and we're going to take big risks because everything we're doing is consistent with his calling, with his promises, and with his power. And if it doesn't work, okay, we'll try something different. Like, I'm, like Forrest Gump, a feather on a breeze. I don't know why there's two Forrest Gump references in a minute there, but you get the point. So we make moves and we get on the march and we pray. And we pray big prayers. And man, I'm convicted personally to start praying bigger prayers. 
So this past weekend, we just, you know, the, you know, the women's retreat just got done. Women, are you here? Are you here? Did you have a good time? Okay, it's a little too charismatic. I'm watching you, all right? Well, my wife's the women's ministry director at our church, against her will. I will say that. Be careful what you say you'll never do. And she and her team, man, these ladies, they've been planning this for over a year, and they put so much blood and sweat and tears and work and energy and money and prayer. And as it gets closer, rightfully so, there's a ton of stress. So I'm roommates with the stress, right? And it's, oh, we got to do this, we got to do this. She's on the phone to all hours, and we got our buddies, and ha ha, oh, that was funny. And then we got to work on this, and what about the food, and what about the music, and is she coming, and the scholarship, and the money, and how we do it, and I'm just over here going, oh dear, right? And uh, the last week, all it has to do is weather, right? Oh, really? This is what I heard from her. Really? The weather? Got all these out- outdoor activities planned, and now it's April! And I'm like, look, I married you, you're from here, I'm not. I'm not a Narnian, right? That's what I'm thinking. I just say that out loud. I know it's good for me, right? But all the stress about the weather and what are we going to do? And there's prayers being off. You know, God, help. Come on. It would just be cool if the weather could work and everything to work out. And, you know, I, I told her I was praying for it. A lot of people have been praying. I know you've been praying, right? And we've got smacked right here in April. Except yesterday, you know, I sent her one text. Hey, how's everything going? She sends me a screenshot of the radar screen. Now, they got a little bit of something, but this is what you saw. Apocalypse to the north, apocalypse to the west, apocalypse to the east, and apocalypse to the south. And right over Portage Lake, there's this little, not so apocalypse, just a little circle. All coincidence, right? Or does God still Show up with power. Does he still make the sun stand still? Or the weather or whatever you're facing. When it's consistent with who he is and what he's called us to do. When we trust God and take risks. When you trust God and take risks. This is the cool part. And this is the second thing out of the story. You get to watch God fight for you. You get to watch God fight for you. I'm not going to lie. I would have loved to have seen that battle. I would have loved to experience, well, this sun's really not going down. And we're not even in Russia. It's not even white nights. This is, this is all day. When you trust God and take risk, when it's consistent with his call and his promises and his power, then you get to watch God fight for you. God will fight for you how he wants to fight for you. But Joshua and these people got... To watch God fight for them. And even said that. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. You know it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 31 in the New Testament. Because the God of the Old Testament is also God of the New Testament. It says. If God is for us. Who can be against us? Do you believe that? So if you're on God's side. If you're a Christian. If you've received his son Jesus Christ by faith. You've received the grace of God. You're a child of God. If God's for you, who can be against you? Well, a lot of things. Have you seen my taxes? Do you know my financial situation? Do you know the stress that I'm under? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what, the, you know what my boss is like? Okay, if God is for us, who can be against us? Trust God, take a risk, and watch God fight for you. Why do I say that? 
you plus Jesus is unstoppable. You plus me is whatever. You plus Billy Graham is, okay, cool. He could preach. That's a holy man right there if he comes back from the dead. You plus Billy Graham, that's good for you. But the smallest little life in Tab Kid plus Jesus is greater than you plus Billy Graham. Any one of us plus Jesus is greater than Joshua. Joshua's pretty great. So you plus Jesus, watch God fight for you. You see, God is the infinite, so anything plus an infinite is infinite. You don't really add anything to it. It doesn't matter. You're still going to maybe have to march all night. You still might have to put some sweat equity into it. That's what he calls us to. That's part of the calling. That's part of your process, part of the journey. But when he shows up, and some of us never get to experience that because we never take the risk. We never step out in faith. All we see are the bills. All we see is the bottom line. All we see is the limited amount of time. All we see is our stress. All we see is our plan and our organization. We don't leave any room for God to fight for us. And I love that moment where Joshua says, I'm going to go out on a limb here. He calls everybody together and then prays for the planets to stop rotating. Wow. God is for us who can be against us. Now, I know there's, there's some people in here that's like, okay, yeah, bay, yay, rah, whatever. We're missing something here. Do you know, it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, that the prophets of old, like Joshua, the prophets even older than him, like Moses and Abraham, prophets that came after him, like Elijah and Elisha and Daniel and Ezekiel, Hosea, all of these people who God's Spirit told to say something or write something. God's Spirit didn't come to live in them, but God's Spirit just, you know, would fill them for a moment to do a specific work and then leave, right? That these prophets, it says in 1 Peter 1, they looked ahead to 2018. They didn't fully understand the message of the gospel and the meaning of the cross and what God was going to do for you. It says in 1 Peter 1 that even angels long to look into it. And so watch this. If you're like me, I would love to have seen the parting of the Red Sea. I would love to see fire be called down from heaven. Elijah was a man just like us. And he called, oh, I would love to see that. Peter walking on water, that would have been so great. Lazarus back from the dead. Water turned to wine. Great party. I want to see all those miracles, right? Do you know what scripture teaches is what you have and what I have, they are envious of. Miracles, yeah, whatever, nature, supernatural. That God lives in people? Joshua would be sitting here, surely not. How is that even possible? I want that. They saw it from a distance. They celebrated it from a distance. They never experienced it. It says in Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When by faith we receive God's grace and He takes up residence in our life. The Holy Spirit can guide. The Holy Spirit can direct. The Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit encourages. The Holy Spirit ministers to. The Holy Spirit gives us the words to say. The Holy Spirit empowers, quickens, so we can fulfill the call 
But we never tap into that power. That hail from heaven, it's in you. That sun stands still, it's in you. Nah. I'm going to sit this one out. Never see God fight for us. Joshua would have envied us. So what are we going to do with this? Well, we're going to sing some more. The band's going to come out and we're going to, we're going to sing more about this God who loves us recklessly and calls us to great faith. But before we sing, where and how is God trusting you or or calling you to trust him and take a risk? Where's he calling you? What's his voice speaking to you today? Wouldn't it be cool to watch him fight for you? Would that be cool? Would you like to see a miracle? If it's consistent with his call and his promise and his power, you're going to have to try, or I'm encouraging you today, just trust him and jump in. Pray audacious prayers. I mean, there's miracles all the time. We're a miracle. You're a miracle. The fact that some of us are here are miracles. Right? Right? Yeah. That he loves you? Isn't that a miracle? That he hadn't given up on you yet? Isn't that a miracle? I know, because you're the worst. Look in the mirror. I look at the worst all the time. That he still loves me, cares about me, hasn't just chewed me up and spit me out yet. That I haven't received the hail. I know there's hail outside, but it hadn't hit me. Why? Miracle. You know, brother just mentioned right before I came up here to speak that today, a man who has trusted God and taken a huge risk, I believe he took it 23 years ago, pastor from North Carolina, God called him to a close country. He's in Turkey today. And uh, he's in prison. He's in prison for Christianizing espionage and terrorism. Trumped up charges, I'm sure. He's a missionary, guys. He's one of us. He's on our team. And I didn't realize that that was going down. I was somewhat familiar with the story, but I didn't realize what was going down. Andrew... Brunson, tomorrow, is sentencing. He's going to find out. Trial, sentencing, the whole thing starts tomorrow. He could do 35 years in a Turkish prison. Sorry, my daddy was a missionary. We can't do more than show up once a week. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. God calls us as individuals to trust Him and take risks. He calls us as a church to trust Him and take risks. And I want to tell you right now, if that's not the gospel that you want, if that's not the church you want, we're going to make you real uncomfortable. I mean, history proves it, does it not? We'll take you off one way or another. We're just trying to watch God fight for us. So would you bow your heads with me? And I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray for Pastor Brunson, who I've never met. And we're going to pray specific. And while I'm praying, 
Pray along with me. Pray your son's standstill prayer. Pray your give him hail, Lord, prayer. If it's consistent with his call and his power, his promises, together we're going to watch him fight for us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll show up in Turkey. God, we know you're already there because we have brothers and sisters, Turkish Christians that love you and worship you and take way bigger risks than we do. God, we don't know Pastor Brunson, but God, we pray for his release. That it would be not guilty. You would reunite him with his family and his loved ones. God, I pray for the church in Turkey and in closed nations all over the world. God, I pray for the church in the nation represented by my missionary brother here this morning. God, that you would protect them. And that as they trust you and take risks, God, that you would fight for them. And God, our fight is no less. The fight to lead my family. The fight to reconcile with people that I've hurt or have hurt me. God, the fight to surrender my finances or my time to you. God, the fight to actually grow in the word and in holiness and in unity and in the fellowship. To be the Christian, the disciple you've called me to be. God, those fights... You show up just the same. God, help us not to buy into the lie that you only answer big, audacious prayers for important people, but that all of us are nothing compared to you, but all of us plus you is unstoppable. So God, would you make students and children and moms and dads and singles and married, young and old, would you make us unstoppable? Help us to trust you and take great risks. Give us the courage and faith to do so. And it's in your name we pray.